Rick James. Welcome back to Bourbon Barrel Talk. I'm your host, Scott Minton, and with me today is Josh Hillman. How are we doing today, Josh? Man, I'm doing great. I just got to check out a bottle of wild turkey that's almost as old as me. Absolutely. Uh, I, I was uh, tickled pink when my dad said he had found that sitting in the old uh, apartment next door to their house, and uh, I was like, you got to be kidding me. He's like, no, and it still has the seal on it. And I'm like, well, you need to bring that up to me, so... What we uh, sampled today was a uh, 1994 824 Wild Turkey 101, and we did a taste test to it versus the 101 of today, which you said yours was probably about a year old. So uh, what what, did you think, man? I thought it was pretty good. Uh, We compared it next to a Wild Turkey 101 that we got off a shelf maybe a year ago. But it was pretty good. It it had that upper, you know, your tongue, a little bit of a mouth burn at the beginning, but very, very smooth going down. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought the same thing. And then we started looking up to see if they'd changed the mash bill because the other one almost was kind of the opposite. Like, it was a little smoother on the front side, and then it kind of was a little bit more heat on the back side. It was, it was totally different, but yet it's still the same mash bill if you look at what they did. The, the one that we tried that just came off a recent shelf is what I remembered from college. Even though in college I remembered it having a whole lot more burn, that's probably just because we were taking shots of it at the time. Probably that, and then on top of that, you got to remember, you know, your palate and your taste capabilities were, were way different probably when you were in college than what they are today. Absolutely. <clears throat> so... What I wanted to do with this episode is I wanted to talk a little bit about um, kind of an inside the bunghole type thing where we talk about what happened at the New Riff um, Distillery when we went over there about a week and a half ago, and then just talk about you know what's going on in the bourbon market right now and and what did we find because literally everything was released over the last couple of weeks and we've really been you know diving into trying to see what we can get and what we can gather and talk about some of the lines we stayed in and things like that. So let's go to New Riff and talk, um, you know, if you don't mind, give, give me a little bit of insight on what you thought the trip was like. I'm going to talk a little bit first, but think about it while we're talking here. Um, I, I thought overall, you know, we started at the warehouse slash Rick house. We met the team. They were super friendly and nice. I thought it was kind of cool that they had a couple of cats running around. You know, you could pet them and, you know, love on them, and they were pretty friendly and and the staff was really good. And then um, we started touring the actual warehouse slash Rick house. And uh, one of the things that I found to be super, super neat was it was probably about 55 to 60 degrees that day. But we walked into the Rick house and it had to have been 35 in there, you know. And he explained to us, you know, the, the, the thermo energy, you know, in order to get bourbon to get so cold that the fact that it had been so cold for so long it takes a long time for it to heat up. So what do you think about that? And I know also you had some theories about the concrete wall and other things like that. I was actually a little bit shocked when we went into the warehouse because it was concrete. And, you know, I've been to the Wild Turkey and I've been to uh, Buffalo Trace and Woodford, and they're all a little bit different. But this was an old retrofitted building and concrete, or maybe this was 
the newly poured concrete Yeah, it was walls. the newly poured one. Uh, but it was different. It was cold. You walk in, and I was really glad I had my jacket on because it was like 60 degrees that day, and I'm thinking, hey, uh, I may not want to have this jacket. But you walk in, it's cold, and you're just shocked. Then you look up, and you see very tall concrete walls. I'm really interested to see, you know, after an, a seven- or ten-year period of maturation, what that will do to those barrels. I, I'm pretty excited about that, too. Um, one of the things we've talked about in the past, and I know you've always said that, you know, <clears throat> New Riff wasn't necessarily your favorite product, but you tried some things and some things you liked, some things you didn't. I was like that with the small batch, but I've tried a lot more single barrels probably than you had. And I've enjoyed most of the small, the single barrels. Um, but the one thing I was super impressed with was what we tried that day. That chocolate malt was good. There was another some type of malted whiskey. And then we had a single barrel rye. I'll be very honest that New Riff is still not my favorite and probably not a regular for me to go pick off the shelf. However, I did enjoy the single barrel rye whiskey that we tried that day. I mean, it was pretty darn good, but we tried it two different ways. We tried it once um, just straight, neat, and then once with a little couple drops of water in it. And that water really opened it up quite a bit and made it enjoyable right and and jay you know he that was one of the big things he talked about in the interview was the fact that he really thinks new riff needs to have just a few drops of water or an ice cube or something to kind of give it that proofing it down especially on their 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 hotter products that are the single barrel stuff but he even said he puts it in his small batch so maybe that's part of you know the issue you know as people who typically drink maybe bourbon neat versus people that drink it with water Maybe they're having a totally different experience with that product. I, I try now, you know, over the last six to 12 months, as I've opened a whole lot of different style bottles, I like to try it neat first, just to see if I enjoy it that way. And if I don't, we'll add a piece of ice, let the ice mellow out in it, dilute it a little bit, cool it down, and then try it that way. And that really helped with his single barrel rye whiskey. Now, a couple of the other bottles I've tried outside of the distillery, I've tried it both ways, and they are just still not my thing. Right. But that's okay. No, absolutely. And every bottle is not going to be for someone else, and that's one of the good things I think about this conversation that we have is that you're not going to like every bottle you try, just like I'm not going to like every bottle we try. Um, you know, he, you don't like Clyde Mays. Toby does. <laughs> I don't know what's up with Toby liking that stuff, but he does. I I actually did not mind the Cavalier. I don't. You've not tried it yet, but when you get a chance before the end of the show, you know you should try a little bit of the Cavalier. I, I for me, it was a really, really mild bourbon. It, it's I can't believe it was aged nine years because it's really, really mild, and it might have been only eighty or ninety proof. It's pretty low on the low side, but to me, I didn't think it was as bad as Clyde Mays. That's just my personal opinion. But you might have a totally different at outlook on it when you do try it. Well, Toby just poured a half of a shot here, so some point during uh, this podcast, I'll try it, and I may be really honest and tell you, yuck. Yeah, and that's fine. You can tell me that. Um, so back to uh, New Riff. We went through the, <laughs> the distillery tour, and. Uh, we after we got through with the Rick House, we went over to the distillery and uh, they should call it the Riff House just for fun. Absolutely, that would be really really fun. The Riff House that you know we should we should email Jay and tell him you know you should call this the Riff House. Um, 
But uh, one of the things that just stood out right away was, A, they use their own well water there, which they talked about the aquifer multiple times. Um, two, the still is massive. I mean, not only do they have the pot still, but they have the column still, which that thing was, what, like three or four stories tall? I mean, it was like 40 or 50 feet. Well, they, that and they have it in this glass-housed room, and you're just like, you're overwhelmed by the magnitude of that in this small space. Right. And then um, <clears throat> the other big thing that I thought was just super, super awesome, um, and it just because I've not had that experience anyplace else, they actually let us try the high wine and the low wine. So what was your thought process on that? Like, I mean, obviously it's not bourbon, it's not been in a barrel, but I could taste kind of what was remnant of, or I guess that's the right word, like remnants of the fact that it was bourbon, but it just wasn't bourbon bourbon. It was okay. I mean, it, I want to say it had a little bit of a fruity taste, if I remember right. A little bit of a sweet taste. It seemed like the high wine did, yes. The low wine did not. Maybe that was a better word, a sweet taste to it. Um, interesting. I had never tried that, you know, straight off the still, and that was a really cool thing to do. Much cooler than putting a cup out and trying some of the water straight out of the well. Yeah. Um, the other thing was, you know, you could throw your fingers down in the mash tunes um you know whenever they were making the beer per se some part of that always just kind of weirds me out that That how many people have stuck their fingers there that were drinking it people are sticking (laughs) their fingers in there and then taking a little taste of it so i did not do that but i watched you guys do that yeah so to me i I enjoyed it but as a beer maker earlier on in my life when i was making a lot more beer um that that's one of the ways you kind of get uh, at least a hint of what something's going to taste like. Right. Um, and then with them, you know, they, that's one of the cool things about their process, at least in my personal opinion. And he explained to it in the show was the fact that every batch is different. Like literally the way that they bottle and do the, and deconstruct how they make their process is they make a batch, they put it in a thing, they barrel it, they make a batch, put it in the, <laughs> they barrel it. So no matter what, there always are going to be variances based off of each individual. And maybe it's because my finger tastes better than your finger or... I don't want to taste your finger, but <laughs> thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> you know, th- there is a whole lot of inconsistency in theirs and in in their bottles, in their barrels, in their samples. And that's it's cool to some extent that you never know what you're going to get and then... For the guy that's an everyday drinker, he wants some consistency. Right. I, I can see your point of view on that side. Like you, you're a big turkey guy. You love your Russells. You love your uh, 101 and things like that. You know, But think about how much different your Russell pick from XYZ is versus ABC. Like They're always different. They're not always the same. The silver dollar barreled on 11-10-2009 that we're currently drinking is phenomenal. It's really good pour. It's a solid pour. I've been sipping on this one, you know, since we got through the first couple of sips, and, and I've really thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, this one, to me, like, every time I take a sip, and I'm going to take a sip right now. It's really sweet. When Scott went and got in line for, um, I think they had a full proof and a number of other things being released on one day. I was very excited when you, you called me and said, hey, do you want me to get this for you? Absolutely. Right. And uh, it, it's got some really nice like vanilla tones and a little bit of a almost like a nutty like hazelnut or 
apricot, like almost, it's just so weird that how much different this one is than some of the other Russell's picks that I've had. And, and maybe it's just that silver dollar just has a great team that goes out and does their picks or, um, but I've just, I've never been disappointed with a silver dollar pick. And I have never been disappointed with a Russell's reserve single barrel pick. Yeah. So, I mean, that, 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 that tells you, you know, highlights in that piece of it. So, so after the tour over at New Riff, when we went to get really bad Mexican food? Yes. Well, not only did we get bad Mexican food, but horrible service. Um, we decided we were going to hit up as many liquor stores basically between Covington and Louisville. Um, <laughs> one, of the, one of the stops we stopped at was actually Boone County, and we, we, I picked up a bottle of uh, the six-year, which you know I've not cracked it yet. But I'm super anxious about that because I love their uh, 10 and their 12-year. But um, we stopped at this one liquor store, and the lady had a George T. Stag, or two Stags, was it? And then they had a, was it Eagle Rare 17? You know, you all gave these liquor stores a whole lot more love and attention than I did. When you walk in and you see a Weller 12 on the shelf for $299, it just tells me to walk out. Yeah. And uh, I will say, definitely Matt and Toby spent a lot more time in there than you or I. Well, Toby like, was You were in there to... immediately. You were like, oh, this is too much. I'm gone. Like, you walked out. And then, like, I was like, well, let's see what else is in here. Da, 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 da. And then Toby's immediately over there haggling. Like, he's like old school. Like, uh, I'll give you 100 for it. <laughs> a buck 25. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know what? Look, I don't mind paying a little extra over retail for something that you can't find every day. Right. But the prices that they had were crazy. Some of them were like way over secondary, which just, I was just floored by. And the one lady, she was like, well, you know, they're not from around here, so they just charge whatever they feel like charging in. <laughs> Actually, the funniest one, we stopped at Carrollton. Okay. We got out at Carrollton, and they had a bottle of Henry McKenna Tenure, which is not my jam either. But they had a bottle of Henry McKenna Tenure for $600 on the shelf. Yeah. And the lady goes, well, he thought it was a 12-year. He priced it like it was a 12-year. And I'm not even sure there is Henry a... Henry McKenna doesn't even make a 12-year. <laughs> right. So, you know, the story was a little bit crazy, but the price on the bottle was crazier. Yes. And if somebody actually goes and pays that, sucker. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, though, some people... And I feel like this is really the case in places like when you get down at the boat or some places that are super close to Churchill Downs. Like I've been to places that are right next to Churchill Downs and they had like bottles of Michter's 10 for like three ninety nine, And I'm like, dude, you're that bottle is going to rot on your wall. All right. So I'm sitting here and I got this shot glass in front of me, which is this Cavalier. And man, this thing smells really weird. It is not your typical... It is not. So it did smell weird, and it did have a little bit, but to me, it had some really like weird flavors to it, like almost like more fruity flavors than a typical bourbon would have. But I'll let you try a sip of it, and you kind of tell me what you're thinking. Well, I'm smelling it, and I'm just thinking, do I really want to try it? But it's got to be better than the Clyde Maze that Toby likes. Uh, you know, I, in my personal opinion, yes, it is. But you might not think so. Uh-oh. It ain't good. Yeah. I, I knew you weren't going to like it. <laughs> Is it worse than Clyde Mays? It's got both mouth burn, throat burn, and just... And it might be because you're you're a little, you know, messed up because you've been drinking this fine bottle of Russell's. 
It's got a really odd taste, but it isn't good. <laughs> I'll sit here and think about some water for a minute while you talk. <laughs> so after we hit all these liquor stores and everything else, we kind of uh, mellowed all the way back to Louisville, and we uh, were able to sit back and talk a little bit more about the new riff process and 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 how and everything went. Um, what I was kind of, uh, I guess, not really surprised by was the fact that he didn't talk as much about the history of how New Riff started. And, and he even said, you know, when we were on the tour, when we asked him about it, kind of, you know, okay, I was in the past. It was in the rearview mirror, and, and that's the way they preferred to keep it. Um, for me, I'm one of those people that I, I'm, I'm really big into history, and I would have I would have liked to have heard from his point of view how the OKI process worked and how it paid for New Riff and and the setup from where they're at right now. Well, so I have not tried OKI, and that's probably a bad thing because you tell me it's really good. Well, it's different. Okay, so it's not your standard bourbon. So first of all, OKI is a different samplings of bourbons that they procured from warehouses or barrels from around the country, and then they aged them in something else. So one of them being it was... Uh, one of my favorites was like a Belgian triple and then another one was like a double and different things like that. So they were like bourbon barrels that had aged beer in them and then they aged bourbon in them again. So they kind of soaked up some of that beer flavor and different things like that. So it's definitely a different flavor, a different philosophy. Um, so because I had not tried OKI, I, you know, the history of that and how it helped new riff maybe get some cash or whatever it was not so much interesting to me but i understand you and the history of it because of the okay i connection right. but it would be like to me in my personal opinion it was one of those things where in, in like i said i had a i had a great experience in new riff and there's no knocking it or anything like that it's just the fact that you can't tell the story of four roses without talking about al young you can't tell the story of Wild Turkey without talking about Jimmy and Eddie Russell. You, you just can't do that. Um, no matter what you do, you, those are just things you can't do. And, and in my opinion, when you talk about New Riff, you have to talk about what started New Riff, which was the liquor store in OKI. He was free about talking about the liquor store, but didn't really talk that much about OKI. So we went in the liquor store a little bit before, and maybe that's a, a whole separate interesting topic, but... We went in, we, we got up to uh, Newport at 9, and I think our tour was at 10, and I had never been in Party Source, I think that's the name of it. We went in, and there's this line of about 20 dudes standing inside near the register just waiting, because apparently the day before there had been a release that happened at 9 a.m. or Yeah, it was King of Kentucky and Stag Jr. the day before. So there's this line of people and all the, you know, several, maybe all, but several of the, the workers there came up and said, guys, there's nothing being released. Go home. There's no reason for you to stand in this line. And nobody moved. Like literally for like another half an hour to 40 minutes, those dudes were still standing in line. And so I walked away. I walked over to the bourbon aisle that they had at Party Source, which was pretty good. I, it, it by far is one of the largest bourbon selections I've ever seen because they had the bourbon on one side. They had kind of off type bourbon stuff, and then they had a big section of rye as well back there. Then we walk back, and the people are still in line. And somebody comes up and says, there's nothing being released today. Go home. And they stay. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Um, 
I guess they don't trust. I, I I don't get it, but I get it because in the same in the same breath that I say I don't get it, you and I, you know, woke up the other day, went to uh, not together. No, not together. We woke up, we met at Chick Fil A, and then we, which has great breakfast. Absolutely. Then we drove to uh, Liquor Barn on Outer Loop, and we waited in line. Well, we drove by the Fern Valley Liquor Store first. Yep. And it had a line wrapped around the corner, and we said, eh, that one's probably going to not have as many bottles. Right. So we, we, we took the gamble. We went to the liquor barn on Outer Loop. I would say we were probably 50th in line, 55? 50-ish. Yeah. And uh, we were still able to get, I, I got a Hancock's Reserve and a Buffalo Trace, and I think you got the same thing, right? I got the exact same. Yeah, I... So, but at that point, still at 50th in line, there was still Blanton's left. There was one bottle. There was uh, four or five bottles of Stag Jr. And I think there were like maybe six bottles of Eagle Rare. You know, I really enjoy Blanton's. And I finished a bottle a couple nights ago. But I'm just done buying it for standing in line to buy Blanton's. Well, me and you had a hookup there for a while. Um, now they, that, that store's gotten a little crazy with what they're doing with their with their bourbon when they get it. That's true, but, you know, it's Blanton's. It's a $60 bottle, $65 bottle. Is it really worth waiting in line for two hours for? No. No, probably not. Probably not. And I think moving forward throughout the year anyway, you you know you're going to get some of that, right? Even if we go, you know, on that last Saturday of the month, whenever, you know, we when they have that um, release that they do for Buffalo Trace, we know that if we don't get an OWA, we're going to be able to get a Blanton's, right? I mean, as long as we get there at a, at a remotely decent time in the morning. Well, that, and I've got a couple of work-related travel trips where I'm going to conferences or conventions and Nowheresville, Indiana, where I'm going to go hit up every liquor store I can find in that community as well. And Josh is going to be like, okay, I am in Bartholomew County. <laughs> There are 613 liquor stores. I'm going to hit 420 of them in three days. I'm going to Fort Wayne later this month, and I'm thinking, am I going to find anything in Fort Wayne? Now, I was out in West Lafayette at Purdue, which is the armpit of Indiana, the other armpit of Indiana. And I stopped at a liquor store, I think it was October. We were up there for a conference or a hiring conference convention, whatever, for engineers. And I stopped at this store. I went in and I said, looked out the shelf. They didn't really have anything out that I was interested in. I said, hey, you got any Wellers? Yeah, I got some in the back. Well, how many do you have? Eleven. I'll take all of them. Okay. They walk back, call the manager because I want to buy 11 bottles of Weller, which was OWA. Yeah, the manager says I can sell you one. Okay, I'll buy one. And then my coworker here is going to buy the other one. So we bought two, and then we came back the next day. And bought two more. And I brought one to you. Absolutely. Awesome, awesome guy bringing me back one. I really appreciate that. And all at retail. That's right. All at retail. You got a mule bottles for people, right? It's about community. It's about friendship. I didn't charge anybody $100 for a bottle of OWA because it's not worth it. Right. Uh, But we trade. You and I trade bottles regularly and back and forth, and you find something, I find something, and pass it along. That's right. You know, hey, I'm a firm believer in the bourbon karma world. Like I, I told um, one of the guys I was talking to just a couple of weeks ago, the fact that I bet I've connected 15 to 20 bottles of Blanton's with people that had special dump dates to them over the past year. And to me, that's been a 
ton of fun. It's been a great opportunity. And under most circumstances, I've literally sold it to them for what I had in it, which included the toll ride over to Louisville. Because most of the time, you know, I'm I'm driving to Louisville to get it because there's nothing in Indiana. Nothing. I mean, 0.0 in southern Indiana, unless it's the last two weeks of the year and, and, you're, and, you're, and you're frequenting the keg. I did frequent the keg and dropped quite a bit of cash the last two weeks of the year. You made out really well at the keg over but the last couple of weeks. They had Blanton's. Mm-hmm. And I picked up a bottle. Matter I, of fact, it, it went to Toby at cost. I actually left my bottle sitting there at the store because I had enough. Yeah. And so uh, Todd went back and pulled some things out of the back and said, hey, do you want this? Yeah, I'll take that. Absolutely. So good opportunity just to get something. Speaking of Blanton's. Do you have any uh, reserved bottles at your house that have a certain dump date on them? Uh, not that are super meaningful to me. Um, I, I, right now, the ones that I'm looking for, because anything that would be meaningful to me at this point would be something when I got married, which is so damn long ago, I'm not going to find that bottle. Um, or two, either one of my kids. And one of them was born in 03, the other one was born in 06. The likelihood I'm going to find one of those bottles is like finding a needle in a haystack and and it's really just not worth the time of looking for it. So agree. So I I went to Westport Whiskey and Wine. I want to say sometime over the summer. And you've heard me say today how much I enjoy Russell's Reserve and they had a single barrel select bottle of I believe it was both Russell's and Kentucky Spirit, which are two two bottles that I just really enjoy. But and totally different pours. Totally different pours, totally different bourbons whiskeys both were dumped on my birthday so i picked them up i got a birthday coming up here in about 10 days and alongside of that birthday bourbon that you helped me secure a couple months ago with a trade for some stag i am gonna open the birthday dump dates and the birthday bourbon together stag and a couple of owas we don't want people to think you got ripped off sure it was two owas and a george t stag 2019 for a 2018 old forester birthday bourbon you had that flipped around it was one bottle of stag for a birthday bourbon two owas yes one bottle of stag two owas for a birthday bourbon no, 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 no. I've already got it mixed up. Never mind. Let's roll on. <laughs> I'm going to tell this story because you've obviously got it mixed up. You got a bottle of stag that you traded for a guy out of Cincinnati for a birthday bourbon in 2018 and two OWAs. That's right. And that, he brought us a couple of sample he bottles. He did. He brought us a 1792 Sweet Wheat and a 1792. Was it the 12 year or the 2225 anniversary? 12 year. It was the 12 year, which pretty good pretty good pour and, and we didn't realize it was as good as it was until we tried it the second time that's right we we even tried some yesterday while we were in line at liquor barn waiting for what we had hoped was going to be foolproof but ended up being other stuff right i i think these sample bottles which you know i'm looking at one right now it says wild turkey 101 on it but you're getting basically three and a half four ounces out of this one bottle um you can't drink out of this bottle. And this is what I tell people why. About 70 to 80% of when you're drinking bourbon is the smell of it. Because you really want to be able to get your nose in there, get a hint of it. So I think that's why we didn't enjoy it as much the first time. Because we literally drank it straight out of the bottle versus 
yesterday I came prepared with two red solo cups. Out of a cup, exactly. And you can get your nose in a cup and you can smell it and get that flavor and, and, and see what those harmonies are to kind of enhance the, the taste of it. It is rare to find a bottle of Wild Turkey 101 that's been poured into a sample bottle because most people don't want to try that as a sample. No, absolutely not. But like we said, for uh, the sake of, uh, what's that, mm, science? <laughs> We wanted to try a little bit of the Wild Turkey 101 of this year versus the Wild Turkey of 1994 to see what we thought. And there was a little bit of difference. I thought there was. I, I you know, I don't know. And, and Toby, I, I don't know. You're, you're off mic, but you're over here. So what, what was your initial thoughts on that as well? Toby says he wasn't prepared to talk. Keep talking, Scott. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought he would get up and, and walk over here. But he said he likes the new one better, basically. And, and and we can, I guess, edit enough of this that it won't really matter. Do you think there was 30 years of difference in the corn that now it's genetically modified organic or something? You know, you just brought up a point that just now my mind's blown. Now I'm going to have to sit back for like an hour and think about the fact that, you know, corn today versus corn in 19. I mean, if that was an eight-year-old bottle at that point, you got to figure that corn was made in the 80s, right? I love corn. Corn is great. Corn, well, what's the song? The Luke Bryan song. Nah, we're not something makes start rain. Singing. Rain makes whiskey. <laughs> whiskey makes my girl feel a little frisky. <laughs> no, but either way, we like corn, right? We like rain. <laughs> I do. I like corn. Uh, Christmas, I made some corn pudding. It was really good. Probably should have put a little bit of whiskey in it. See, you know, I I love corn. I love corn on the cob. I like. Uh, Fried corn, I like cornbread, um, but I do not like bread pudding. I mean, like cornbread, like corn pudding. You're not making it right, then. I just, I've just never been a big corn pudding fan. I just put some peppers it. and onions in it, and it's amazing. So maybe, maybe if you added enough like meat or something, to me, it's just. I did put bacon in it. See, there you go. You put bacon in it now. Bacon makes everything better. That's my inner fat child talking because. For my uh, wife's grandmother's, I want to say it was her 85th birthday, we bought this huge massive cake and we had like a brunch at my Aunt Linda's house or my wife's Aunt Linda's house. And uh, She's your Aunt Linda at this point. Yes, absolutely. As long as I've been with my wife, yes, she's my Aunt Linda at this point. Um, they had cake and I was like, man, I'm going to put this bacon on this cake. And everybody's like, well, you're going to put bacon on the cake? I'm like, absolutely. Bacon makes everything taste better. So while I'm eating this cake with bacon on it, two or three of the cousins come up to me and they're like, I'm going to try that. So they literally got a piece of bacon with the cake. And I'm like, man, this is really good. And I'm like, it's like a bacon maple donut, only it's cake, right? Instead of it being a donut, it's cake. It's it's really, really good. So I'm a firm believer that bacon literally makes everything better. Bacon does make everything better. I completely agree with you. Bacon and bourbon, right? Bacon, The B&B makes yes. everything better. So speaking of bourbon making everything better, went to the Village Anchor uh, last weekend and went to brunch on Sunday with some family. And, you know, we're sitting there, we're ordering, and I look at their drink menu for brunch, and they have mimosas on there. And normally I would say, you know, a mimosa is not for me. It's not a bourbon drink. It's not a guy drink. But they have a mimosa that's champagne, uh, brown sugar uh they made a simple syrup out of brown sugar champagne brown sugar simple syrup and bourbon and i want to say a little slice of orange uh peel and some bitters that thing was really good 
Really? I had two of them, and I was like, I probably shouldn't drive. Right. Champagne and bourbon. Yep. And so then Mandy says, well, why don't you make that for me for New Year's Eve? So I tried. I made some brown sugar simple syrup. Really good. It wasn't quite as good as they made in the, at the restaurant. You probably didn't get the same mix, but... No, but it was really interesting. I was surprised to have a mimosa that I liked because there was no orange juice in it. So what kind of bitters was it? Was it like the Angostura or was it cherry or orange? I want to say we used an orange bitters, but okay. uh, I tried both the Angostura and orange at home. So I've got a collection of bitters, but the orange is the go-to for me. Right. Yeah, it's one of those funny things, you know... Um, over the holidays, everybody talked about what's the perfect Manhattan like. And I know uh, Andrew Clayton did his own little video, and it had Angostura and orange bitters and the little espressed orange and, you know, stuff like that. And then somebody else, had, and I don't remember who that was. It was uh, Joe or Mike. He had done a video about, you know, his one. And then a couple other people had posted recipes. And myself personally, I like a Manhattan. Um, I prefer bourbon on the rocks or bourbon straight or neat rather than 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 that vessel of way to drink it the vermouth in a man i think you have vermouth in a van in a man some people put vermouth some people don't that's what i said it's one of those weird things everybody's got a different it's uh, typically isn't an old-fashioned vermouth no versus a manhattan no the manhattan i believe has the vermouth okay maybe everybody was making an old-fashioned then the old-fashioned is the go-to drink if i'm getting a cocktail but that vermouth is typically a little overwhelming for me when I'm drinking a Manhattan. So maybe that's what we're th- that that's my mistake then as far as talking about that because yeah these guys all were making an old fashioned not a Manhattan but I was just kind of like man eh, you know it's still just bourbon is is fine on its own I don't necessarily need to add a whole bunch of stuff but I will say the Luxardo cherries must are a must if you've never had a Luxardo cherry. You've got to get a bottle of those. They are crazy expensive. Buy them by the threes because it's way cheaper. I think it's like $45 for three jars on uh, Amazon versus buying them, you know, at 20 bucks a jar. So I had a jar of honey sitting out because I had put some honey on top of my oatmeal because I'm getting to be an old man. And I decided I was going to take a spoonful of this honey and put it in a glass and then just mix it straight, mix it with bourbon. And I was amazed at how good, how sweet. It became very sweet. But how good just a little bit of honey at the bottom of the glass made that bourbon. Was it like a full teaspoon or was it like no, you know just a couple of drizzles? It was probably half a teaspoon. I mean, it wasn't a lot. It wasn't a lot. And then you just take it and mix it around until it becomes more viscous. Right. And uh, Toby it, likes the word viscousy, I heard. But it was really good. And I tried it again a little later and I may have put too much honey in it the second time and it wasn't good at all. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when you, when you mentioned that that's what you were doing, I was like, is he really mixing honey with bourbon? I'll try it. I mean, for me, it was a hot toddy, right? Like that's one of the, the go-to drinks. If you're having a cold and you need to kind of loosen stuff up a little bit of lemon, a little bit of honey and, and a lot of bourbon that that'll loosen just about anything up you've got going on or whatever else you, but, um, I do believe that bourbon will cure most anything. Right. You even said this, I think, it, I don't know if it was just after the last podcast that we had, we, we had a solid discussion, was the fact that you said you felt like you've been healthier over the last two years with all the bourbon that you drank than what you were for the five years before that. Healthier is probably a relative term the way I use it. I mean, it. like not getting sick. Less, like, less colds, less flu, knock on wood. Um, 
but it keeps away the common cold, I think, a little more. And I'm probably, I wouldn't consider myself healthy. Yeah, no, I know. You know what I meant. I guess physical fitness levels or anything like that. You've probably been more physical fit five years prior to the, right. than the two years today. And, and I could say that as well, easily. Five years ago, I ran seven marathons in six months, so I was much more physically fit than I am today. Yeah. Today, I probably opened seven bottles of bourbon. There you go. See, but you haven't gotten sick, right? You didn't get a cold. That's right. (laughs) Well, good deal, good deal. So, hey, uh, before we get off here, before we close out, um, let's talk a little bit more about just what's going on in the bourbon world, what things that we look for what 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 were some of the the highlights of the bourbon season as i would call it for you as far as what did you find during that end of october to the first part of january as far as bottles go wow i went to i went to liquor barn quite a few times on saturday mornings hoping to get something i don't think i came away with anything that was magical or even remarkable for that matter but I had a good time. You and I went to several. Um, we went to the uh, the Pappy Raffle at Liquor Barn, and we went to the Outer Loop, and none of us were in our group. And I think we blamed Toby, but uh, none of us won. Got no, actually, you all blatantly blamed me. You made me leave the group at the Pappy Raffle because, like, literally everybody was getting called around us but us. So I literally went on the other side of the thing, and uh, still nobody was called. So I ended up, over the season, I got a couple bottles of Hancock's Reserve. I think I gave you one at one point in time. Uh, You acquired some Weller 12, and I was the recipient of that at a point. But nothing that was magical. I got quite a few things at the keg that, yeah, they were okay. Old Fitz 15. The Old Fitz 15 was really nice, but it carries a really nice price tag. It does. It carries a a bigger MSRP than your standard bourbon does for the most part. I was actually most excited about the Old Forester birthday bourbon that I got that was 2018 in the trade that I've talked about fumbling up the numbers on here. But you did get a stag to get that other bottle, so you you found some stuff. Now, now don't get me wrong. You had to buy some other stuff that probably weren't worth drinking to get the bottle stag. So the acquisition of the stag, the 2019 George T. Stag, I went down to a liquor store that you introduced me to, and I've built some kind of rapport with one of the, the guys in there just talking about the Cardinals and basketball and football. And I go in on a random day and I say, hey, what do you got? And he shows me, points to the Blantons that's now gone up to $80 a bottle and the Weller Special Reserve and the Buffalo Trace. And he says, oh, and I got, I still got that stag back behind the counter. Okay, what are you selling it for? Well, I don't know the price on it, but to get it, you got to buy this purple and gold dip wax maker's mark. You got to get two bottles of Buffalo Trace. And you got to buy these two E.H. Taylors. So I bought them because it seemed a little better than the price that was offered to me a couple weeks prior. Then I made a trade, and we've taken a couple of the bottles that I didn't really want to buy, like that purple and gold dipped wax maker's mark, and we were going to put them in a, a charity raffle pull for, uh, for the Center one for of the, Women and Families. Yep. For one of the nonprofits. So, so yeah, that's cool. Uh, now, for me, I, I probably got – more than my fair share, but I didn't. I I didn't get lucky and get a pappy. I didn't get lucky and get any of the B tag. But I probably came across. I'm guessing 
maybe six bottles of Weller 12, probably four or five bottles of Antique 107. Um, so I, I felt pretty good about, you know, what I was able to haul in during the bourbon hunting season, I guess. No, that's true. I, I did walk into Big Red Liquors when I was down in French Lick the first week of December. Walked in, didn't see anything on the shelf. I bought four bottles of mango rum for a, a, a client that likes to drink mango rum and... During that conversation, I wanted to buy a whole case of it, and they didn't have it. And then talking to the manager, I said, hey, you got anything in the back that you're not, you know, it's not out? Ah, what are you looking for? Well, you got any Weller? Yeah, magically, we have one bottle of OWA back there. Well, I'll take it. So I assumed they had more. They just didn't want to bring it out. And I came back the next day and said, hey, you got anything in the back? Nope. We're out. Hmm. I just just by chance you you mentioned a very similar story to the fact that when you were in West Lafayette was it the same store or was it no no because I know one of them was Reds or Big Reds, Big Red Liquor was French Lick uh, West Lafayette I couldn't oh, it was, tell you it was the Village something or another I remember Probably, you talking about it afterwards never mind so. it, it was you know two blocks away from Purdue and just randomly went into it after dinner with a coworker good deal good deal. Well, hey, man, I, I really appreciate you sitting down with me today and having a conversation. Um, if you want to reach us at Bourbon Barrel Talk, you can hit us up on Facebook at, or you can hit us up via email on bourbonbarreltalk at gmail.com. Um, this is Scott Minton and Josh Hemmel. We're signing off. Thanks again, Josh. I'm glad I'm you Rick can James. make it. James.